Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. Let me just tell you something. Y'all ever heard me talk about something called the remnant? Somebody shout, I'm remnant. I'm remnant. And I am rising up, standing up. I'm awake. I am not asleep. We're going to find out. I talk a lot about the remnant. I want to remind you a few things about the remnant. The remnant by sake of the very name, remnant, means small. And in some people's eyes, insignificant. Counted out. Threw away. And that's the way the world looks at the church. They call us irrelevant. They say that we don't matter anymore. They want to shut us up. They want to tell us to be quiet while they shout from the rooftops what they believe. But the remnant is tired of being told to shut up. Oh, I wish I had a church. I said, the remnant is tired of being told to shut up. We are tired of being told that we don't have a voice. Somebody shout, I got a voice. The remnant is small, but the remnant is powerful. Can y'all hear me good? The remnant is not our imagination. The remnant is not something that church folk made up. To try to work up a crowd in the middle of chaos that's happening around us. It is real. Somebody shout, the remnant is real. The remnant is not coming. The remnant is already here. And I got news for you. If you didn't know, look around. The remnant is in this house this morning. Somebody shout, I love my church. My church is remnant. Now let me tell you something. One of the most important things you need to get about the remnant. I'm telling it everywhere I go. I've told it on, on my YouTube show. I've told it in churches. I don't know how many times I've said this. One of the most important things you need to know about the remnant and how you can identify that it is a remnant generation and how you can know that you are a part of a church that is remnant is because when the remnant rises, hidden things will be revealed In the remnant moment to the remnant church. In the scripture that I've been using, you've heard me talk about it, is Daniel chapter 12 verse 4. When Daniel's writing about all the things uh, that that he saw in the spirit and the visions uh, about the end times. He's writing about the end times. Somebody say end times. How many knows there can only be one end times? How many knows at the end of the race, it's the end of the race. You don't end the race and then there's another ending. There's only one ending. There's only one beginning. There's only one ending. Everything else is the race. We've been running the race, but there's coming an ending. There was a first generation humanity, the Garden of Eden. There's going to be a final generation. Okay? Somebody shout the end. He says, but watch this. But you, Daniel, as he's writing away, just burning up the pages, stop writing, shut up the words, seal up the book until the time of the... Say it loud. Until the time of the... So whenever that time is, it's been, it's been determined... To be the time that what was sealed up will be opened up. Because it didn't just say, shut up the book, go back to living your life, and that's all he said. He said, shut up the book, stop writing, seal the book until. Do you see that? Somebody shout, until. Until the time of the end. In other words, the mysteries will be sealed until the time of the end. And here's one of the ways you'll know it's the time of the end. People will be running to and fro. How many knows that's pretty obvious that and I know it's always been that way, but it seems to be more chaotic than we've ever known. Double-mindedness is everywhere you look. You used to at least know what the church stood for. Now you have no idea what the church stands for. That's double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he shall receive anything from God. Wait a minute. Put it back up there. Put it back up there. Shall run to and fro. And what shall increase? Knowledge. What shall increase? Knowledge. Knowledge is when you learn something and see something that you did not know before. 
something is illuminated that you did not see before. In fact, knowledge is even one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. There is a gift of the word of knowledge. There's a gift of the word of wisdom. Are y'all hearing me? So if it's a gift of the Spirit, that's knowledge, that means there's so many things in our life that we would never even know is even going on if we were not baptized in the Holy Ghost. So that He could give us a spirit of knowledge. Or else why would it even be a gift? If I can learn everything in a book then why would the Holy Ghost need to make one of the nine gifts? Wisdom and knowledge. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Trying to tell us that no matter how smart you are, no matter how educated you are, no matter what a big theologian and big PhD and all these doctrines you have out there, there are things in the spirit realm that you cannot see. There are things going around on around you that you cannot hear and you do not know. Therefore, God said, there are times that I'm going to need you to know those things. So I'm going to come on you and I'm going to open up your eyes and I'm going to open up your understanding to know things and to have wisdom about things that you could not naturally know and see. Are y'all hearing me? But let me tell you what's going to happen with the remnant generation. The remnant generation, and I know God's no respect of persons. It's going to operate in the nine gifts of the Spirit. All nine gifts. You say, well, bless God, I thought the Bible said that he, he divides them several as He will. He does. Can I tell you something? The last generation is going to need all nine gifts. Not at multiple times in their life. At all times. You, there are going to be things come up in your life and in this world that you're going to need to prophesy to, speak in tongues to, interpret to, pray faith over, pray healing over, prophesy to, have a word of knowledge, have a word of wisdom. Y'all ain't hearing me. See a miracle of healing. Raise your hands and shout, I am. Now watch this. You some of y'all ain't going. Some of y'all going to think you're going to lie when you say this because, but 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 you're going to say it because if you're remnant, I, even if this ain't the case, I want you to declare it and call those things are not as though they were, and declare that by the end of the day, this will be you. Somebody shout, "I am Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking, mighty child of God." All nine gifts of the Holy Ghost are working in my life. I know who I am. I'm not waiting on anybody. I'm going to operate in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now somebody shout right now if you believe that. Come on, shout it. Shout it. Shout it to God with the voice of triumph. Shout it to God with the voice of triumph. Yeah. Trying to get this going. Shall knowledge shall increase. Now, for years and years and years, y'all have heard me say this before, but I want to remind you. I preached that that meant head knowledge, that it would be smarts and there would be intelligence. And that is the case. We know things, we know more than natural, but we're dumber than we've ever been. But I'm telling you, I believe it is, it is something more. I believe it's spiritual knowledge and spiritual wisdom where the Word of God will illuminate in a way that it will cause the remnant generation to see things in Scripture that they had never seen before. Now, I'm not talking about, well, you know, I guess I could apply that to this. No, I'm talking about actual words. I'm talking about actual text that you look at and you go, I had no idea that was in there. So surprising That you will check multiple versions to make sure that you ain't made a mistake. You're going to begin to see things. How many of those, God, do you not know that God has the ability to shield some things from people? And cause no one to be able to see it. And then if he wants to do it, he just opens it up and says, here's why you couldn't see it. Because no other generation would understand it except this generation. Are y'all hearing me? 
It's always been in there, and I'm not saying no one would have ever understood everything that's in it, but can I, can I make it plain to you? 66 books of the Bible, don't know how many. I need to memorize that so I can be like Rod Parsley when he quotes a you know, number of words and number of letters and number of chapters and all this kind of stuff in the Bible. But here's the reality. I know there's 66 books in the Bible. Come on, from Genesis to Revelation. And let me tell you something. God's not the author of confusion. God is very intentional. I don't care how silly it looks, some of the things that you read, how out of, some of the things you read going, why in the world did I need to know that? Can I tell you something? Everything that's in there is in there because God wants you to know it. And if you don't realize it now, there's no way in the world I believe that God's going to let this thing wind down in the, in the generation of the Word of God that had the Word of God in their hands. We will go to heaven with a majority of the Word of God never being understood by man. I believe we're going to get it all. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. I believe we're going to get it all. I believe we're going to understand it all. I don't want to read the Old Testament. Old Testament ain't for me. Can I tell you something? One-third, excuse me, back up, two-thirds of the Old Testament end times prophecies that prophesy the final generation in the Old Testament have yet to be fulfilled. So therefore, you're still supposed to be reading the Old Testament. So when I'm standing at Dominion Camp Meeting on the Saturday night that Ron Carpenter was preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the power of God fell in that place. I was leaned up against a wall in the altar area just watching thousands of people. All in one mind and one accord, y'all. It was, it was crazy. I was purposely looking across the crowd, seeing if I saw anyone scrolling on their phone, anyone talking to somebody else, carrying on a conversation. And I'm not saying there wasn't in there, but I can tell you right now, I didn't see anyone. Everyone's hands were raised. And thousands of people were praying in tongues at the same time. The power of God fell in that place like I have not felt in I don't know how long. I, I, I just staggered. Nobody touched me. Nobody even knew where I was. I mean, nobody even knew I existed except God. And I, but it just hit me like a wave. And I fell up against this, this stone wall next to the, to, the, to the altar. And I just started looking. I started feeling. And I, and I heard the Lord say this to me. I am bringing all things full circle. As clear as a bell, I heard him say it. He said, now look, you will see what I'm talking about. And I realized what I was seeing was Acts chapter 2. He said, I'm bringing all things full circle. I'm going to make sure that everybody in this moment gets everything I intended for them to get from the beginning. Or y'all ain't hearing me. Woo, I got five people that got it. I want you to know something. This whole thing is winding down. Called the dispensation of the church. And I want you to know before it winds down. You got to know this. What goes around comes around. There ain't no way in this world you're going to make me believe. That the last generation that shall receive the return of Jesus Christ is going to be weak, anemic, and pathetic. He's coming after a church that's without spot and blemish. He's coming after a church that's looking for Him. He's coming after a church that still believes in miracles. He's, still be He's coming after a church that's still operating in the Great Commission. Isaiah said in chapter 46, verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. And there is no other. I am God. And there is none like me. Watch this. I declare the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. The Bible tells us, and I ain't seen in my notes, but Isaiah, I believe it was chapter 6, says he was in the Spirit. And he was brought into the presence of the throne of God. And he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Hey. And here's, but, but you know, that would have been amazing just to be able to see that. And I'm thankful that he was able to describe the king sitting on the throne. And his 
train of his garment filling the temple. But he goes further and he says, And I saw the angels. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Flying all around the throne. Saying, go back and read it, one to another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. I don't know if that's the wind of the Holy Ghost, but it felt like the air conditioning just kicked in. I just felt a, I don't know if y'all felt it. I just felt a little breeze hit me. I'm serious. I don't know if that thing just kicked in or something, but I felt it. Maybe it was God. Holy, they said one to another. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Look at somebody and tell them right now. Look at them in the face and tell them, Holy is my God. Look at somebody else right in the face and tell them, The whole earth shall be filled, is full of the glory of God. So watch this. The angels are proclaiming around the throne the will of God. That the whole earth is full of His glory. Now watch this. They were not saying it to God. God did not need to be reminded of His will. You don't need to remind God of His will. The one you need to remind is yourself. And sometimes you can't remind yourself because you don't let yourself get in a pit. That's why you need to be around brothers and sisters who can remind you. I don't need the church. I am the church. Yeah, whatever. You're a liar and you're a cop out. You don't want accountability. You don't want covering. You don't want nobody to speak into your life. So you want to sit at home and you want to call yourself the church. But you ain't got nobody to remind you that the whole earth is full of His glory. If the whole earth is full of His glory, I guarantee if you believe the whole earth was full of His glory, I guarantee if you believe that you are a part of the remnant generation, no devil in hell could make you stay at home on a Sunday morning. No devil in hell could make you stand back there and twiddle your thumbs while we're worshiping God. I'm preaching better than you shouting this morning. He said, I will do my pleasure. I will declare the end from the beginning. Now that will mess with your mind. But here's what it means. Before he ever said, let there be light. He had already begun to prepare the new Jerusalem. Jesus said, I purposely have chosen to teach you the flow of authority. I have purposely chosen to not know the day or the hour that I will come back. Only my Father knows it. Notice He didn't say, I have chosen not to know if I'm ever coming back. Everybody knew Before he ever left that he was coming back. Remember the angels? Why stand you gazing? For in like manner as you see him go away, he shall come again. Why? Because before he ever came, it had already been proclaimed that he was coming back. Oh, this is too deep for some of y'all. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's not going to be the Omega. He is the Omega. When he is the Alpha, he is the one that was and is and is to come. If you are in the was, he's there. If you're in the is, he's there. If you're in to come, he's there. He don't exist. He is existence. He don't predict the future. He is the future. But we somehow, as the body of Christ, In the most special time in all of our lives, we have forgotten who our God is and we have forgotten who we are.
Do you understand that even in our, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. Way, 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 way before I'm an American. But can I just tell you something? I'm an American. Okay? Now, I don't put my faith in my country and my nation. I don't know why God blessed me to be born here and not any other nation in the world. I don't know. But he did. And in my constitution of my country that I live in, that I pastor in, that I serve God in, it tells me I have the freedom to speak anything I want to speak. And it tells me I have the freedom to worship any God I want to worship. And you know what? I choose to worship the only God and the only way. And I will be unashamed to proclaim it. And no devil in hell is going to shut me up. And no devil in hell is going to tell me that i got to embrace another God or another way. I am a Christian, and every child of God in the world should have that, but everybody's not as blessed as us. You will sit there and listen and follow people that downgrade and hate on the nation that gives you the ability to do what you're doing now? Get on a plane and go to another country. Go to Indonesia, where I went. Per capita, the largest Muslim nation in the world. Not long after 9-11. Some of the kindest, sweetest, wonderful people I've ever met in my life. They'll love you. They'll welcome you into the home. Muslims. But they will tell you. We know you don't believe in our God. And we're going to give you a welcoming. We're going to feed you. We're going to love you. But do not... Try to tell me about your God and do not go on the streets and go any place and try to proselyte your faith because our faith gives us the ability to kill you and murder you. Now, I'm not saying everybody in the Muslim world would do that, but I'm just telling you right now, you don't have that kind of freedom in other places in the world. So while we still exist and while we still got a country, we ought to be able to get a little boldness about us and, and actually operate in the freedom that God has given us instead of trying to tear it down. Well, don't you know what happened in the past, don't you? Yes, I do. But guess what? We're in right now. I'm not going to stand before God and God look at me and say, well, you know what? I understood the fact that you was all upset about what happened in the past. So because of what happened in the past, I give you a pass. You didn't have to say anything about God. You didn't have to say anything about the Lord. You could be mad at me. You could be mad at You could judge the church and judge the Christians because of what happened in the past. Come on in. That ain't what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now. I, nothing, nothing, nothing can condone the horrible things that's been done in the, in the history, not just of this country, but even in your own life, what's been done to you. But watch this. With my God, what you're going to have to get, if I'm your pastor, you need to hear me. You are going to stand before God for how you responded to it not because of what happened to you life is not about what happens to you it is about how you respond to what happens to you well done thy good and faithful servant let me tell you the people that's going to hear that have lived lives that were pure hell bless God I wish he'd go back out on the road He come back and he won't try to make me feel all bad about myself. I'm sorry, y'all got me for several weeks. Let me tell you something about how the enemy works. He automatically comes to the believer and tries to take away your concept of who he is. Because if you forget who he is there's no way you could ever know who you are did y'all get that you can't know who you are in God if you don't know who God is one of the greatest tools of the enemy to take your mind off of who God is is fear and more, more importantly fear of the unknown 
We are a nation that is gripped with the fear of the unknown right now. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and talk about COVID, but I'm going to tell you something else what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to not talk about COVID. You hear the words of your pastor right now. It is being ramped up right now. Even as we speak, it is being ramped up. Now, you can say whatever you want to say, and you can get mad at me if you want to get mad at me, but here's, sure is ironic, it's being ramped up right before the elections. There are people around the world that are billionaires, that are movers and shakers, who understand how quickly they got control through this virus. There is absolutely zero chance they are going to release that control. So it was gone from my news feed for a long time. It was gone from, from uh, Twitter and all this. But all of a sudden, B.42 variant or something is sweeping the country. School systems are doing all they can do to make sure that they're able to start on time. You know what that's code for? They're planning on not starting on time. Monkeypox. Monkeypox. Just the sound of it will freak you out. Monkeypox? Ain't it funny that all the pox are animals? Chicken pox? Monkeypox? Can I tell you something? You know, what my, you know what my mama did when, when I got chicken pox? She made me give it to my brother. Y'all going to think my mama was horrible. But she made, it, made me give it to my brother. So we could just go ahead and get it over with at the same time. It really happened, y'all. Now, I don't know if that's how it works with monkeypox. Can I tell you what they're not telling you about monkeypox? 98% of all transmissions in the world is between gay sex with men. Transmission of men. You don't hear that anywhere, but that is an absolute 100% fact. It's really implied that it's 100%, but some kind of, it's transmitted by sexual content, context, and contact, I should say. So, sounds very familiar. Something else we heard in the 80s. Come on, are you hearing me? It started out a certain way, it evolved. When people, they don't want to talk about that, but that's monkeypox. Moving on. Inflation. War. Some of y'all change your profile picture to the flag of Ukraine. But you won't even fly the flag of America. You don't even know anything's going on over there. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but isn't it interesting that the capital of Ukraine, that is the parliament, where the government leaders meet, has never been bombed? When you start looking at the things that have not been bombed, that Russia is being very restrained in what they bomb, it almost sounds like somebody's got an agenda. Do you know who's really fighting Russia right now in Ukraine? We are. Do you know that you've already given billions and billions of dollars to another country while our country has the highest inflation that we've seen since the 1980s, gas is out of the, out, off, the, off the chain. This ain't a shot against our president. I'm just trying to tell you facts. If we've got that to give to another country. Bless God, I... I came to this church because he's never got political. And now he's got political. If you think that's political, 
You don't know what political is. Because it's people of both parties doing this. My purpose in my voice is to speak against the demonic influence that is trying to grip not just this nation, but the church in fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I wish somebody shout, I got a sound mind. Watch this. Here's what happens. Fear gripped the nation. And then the force that was supposed to be like Aaron, if you remember the story in the Old Testament, you hear me preach about it a lot because it's a perfect analogy. When the plague was sweeping across the children of Israel and killing them at record pace, the man of God went to God and said, what should I do? And God speaks to Moses and says, tell your brother to run through the pandemic. Don't isolate. Run through the pandemic. And when you get to the other side of the pandemic, turn around and face the pandemic. This is in your Bible. Raise up your hand, but it wasn't just a hand. In the other hand, he had uh, uh, the incense burning, which represented the glory. See, you don't just need anybody running out in front of you. You better make sure they got the glory. Uh-huh. You don't need just another preacher. You better make sure that preacher's a Holy Ghost fire baptized preacher. Because you ain't going to get rid of this devil with three points in a poem. Are you hearing me? You ain't going to be able to tell a fishing story with your buddies or tell some kind of cute joke with this one. You better have some power. You better have some anointing. You better have a preacher that knows who he is in God. Stand between the living and the dead and say, stop it. That's enough. And when he raised the glory, he raised his hand, which is a type of shout of authority, the plague stopped. But see, that ain't what the church did. The church bought in hook, line, and sinker. But you know what? We didn't just buy in in 2020. We started buying in generations ago. Here's how you know when the church has been gripped by fear. Because I'm talking about for a long time, even from when I was a child. Because watch this. When you are gripped by fear and you listen to the wrong voices, secular voices, some of you will spend all day long listening to secular podcasts feeding you. Ain't nobody talking nothing about God. But you won't even listen to your pastor repeat a sermon that you thought you got 100% of when you heard it and the truth is you didn't even get 10% of what I've already said today. You will listen to some of the nastiest, filthiest music. Flip through TikTok all day long. But you won't listen to no worship music. But here, here it is. Here, I'm going to really hit you with this. Some of y'all are listening to preachers' podcasts. But you're listening to the wrong ones. Well, how dare you? How, how do you say that you, you, you're good? And I'm not, I'm not say nobody's name. But if the preacher you're listening to is... I don't know if I can say it the way it just came to my head. If the preacher you're listening to is lined up with the woke agenda of the world. I didn't say awake. He needs to be awake. She needs to be awake. But how many knows the word woke right now, what it identifies with is not awake in the spirit realm. I, I put a post out. Woke preaching is joke preaching. I'll put that out there. 
You know who private messaged me and won't know what I really meant? Several pastors that I know. Hold up a minute, brother. You're trying to say that we can't talk about this? this? I was like, I was nice and I was kind, but I wanted to say, this is the post that caused you to connect with me? Boy, are you serious? This is the one you want to ask me about? This, that's true. That's fact. That happened. See, here's how I know the church bought into the grip of fear. Because watch this. Mainline churches, Christian voices that are not promoting bold faith, but a compromised faith has bought into fear because compromise, say this with me, compromise is rooted in fear. See, you will compromise your convictions out of fear that you don't jeopardize what you got. Ultimately, it all rolls back to the love of money as the root of all evil. So when a pastor in a church compromises their faith, what they're really saying is, if I don't compromise my convictions and line up with the agenda of the world and make people feel all warm and fuzzy and cute and feel good and warm in their butterflies in their belly and not shake and rock the boat, then I'm going to lose people. It would be bad. It, it, I would almost understand if that shepherd was really grieving because he was losing his sheep. But he's grieving because he's losing their money. He's losing their voice. He's going to lose their, their followers on Instagram. He's going to lose his subscribers. Oh, by the way, thank you all for helping me get over a thousand subscribers on my YouTube channel. Opened up a lot of stuff. But you know what happened? You know what happened? That thing went over a thousand. It went up to like 1,035, 1,037. I posted last night a message called sin. What we've all got in common, nobody wants to talk about. Woke up this morning, I was back down to 1,027. I lost that many overnight. Hadn't lost any overnight in the last two weeks. But I preach on sin. <laughs> and I lose about 10 to 12. So I don't care. Whoever's there is going to hear it. If they don't want to hear it, unsubscribe. Next. Compromise. Somebody shout, I will not compromise my faith. See, when you're in grip to the fear of the unknown, you tend to compromise for the sake of stability, for the sake of stability. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to mess things up right now. I don't want to. I don't want to run them off. So, I don't want to make them mad at me. So I'm just going to stay silent. Well, I get that for a while, but some of y'all have stayed silent with an epidemic growing around you in your family, and influence being influenced of others. Your children are being influenced. By TikTok, by Instagram, they're being influenced, I hate to say it, by their teachers, by an educational system that thinks they are your children's parents. And you're so busy, and you're so making sure that you can make your house payment, and you're so busy making sure you can make your car payment, or making sure that you watch the game, or making sure that you get to do the things that you want to do, that you have literally not even noticed. You are losing your children, which by default means we are losing a generation. That's why I pray in the name of Jesus, every one of you teenagers get wrecked. I'm talking about wrecked by the Holy Ghost. Wrecked. Can't even, can't even tell and describe what's going to happen to you this week. You listen, you go in there. You go in there and you have fun, but you go in there with a purpose. I'm not here to swim. I'm not here to get in a canoe. If I get to do that, that's fine. I am here to have an encounter with my God. I am here to be a Holy Ghost-filled teenager. I am here to be a world changer. Look at somebody tell them, it's a trap. As I said, they're ramping up. 
They're preparing. If you didn't, you didn't hear it, state of California just reinstituted mask mandates. Going to start implementing them in all the governmental buildings. Our national government just started instituting mask mandates back in all the state parks. When you go in there to buy your ticket now, mask. You're going to start trying. You're going to see it. Don't know if it'll, if it'll hold up in court or what. You're going to see very soon. I'm predicting very soon. You're going to hear uh, the health organization coming out and bringing mask mandates to, to go to the doctor, to go to the hospital. Some of them never stop, stop wearing it. Trying to put them back on planes again. But it's not, listen to me, I'm telling you, you may be a nurse in here, an RN, you may be a doctor in here. I am not a medical professional. I don't know what you know. I don't pretend to know what you know. But I can tell you this right now as a man of God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt what is being done right now and being ramped up again has nothing to do with my protection. Has nothing to do with my safety or your safety. Has everything to do with fear and control. It's never going to end, y'all. You understand, it's never going to end. Because the devil will never willfully give up anything. Freedom, listen to me, freedom is never voluntarily given to the oppressed by the oppressor. You didn't get that. I don't care who it is and how, what it's about. If you are oppressed by someone who has their thumb on you, it is, your freedom is never get, given to you voluntarily. Your freedom, the freedom of the oppressed, has to be taken from the oppressor. Now, I'm, talking, now I'm not talking about physical violence, for somebody twist my words. I'm talking about spiritual violence. I am talking about violence, but I'm not talking about violence with my hands. I'm talking about violence with my prayer. I'm talking about violence with my worship. I'm talking, oh, y'all ain't hear me. I'm talking about violence with my speaking the word, with the armor of God that's put on me. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violence take it by force. I had y'all until I said something about that, and then I lost y'all. I lost y'all right around the time I said something about woke preaching is joke preaching. I could feel it. I'm woke, I'm woke. Really? Are you, are, are you as proud to be a Holy Ghost tongue-talking mighty man or woman of God as you are? What else you call yourself online? Your hashtags? But see, the remnant church, somebody shout, I'm remnant. Shout, I'm remnant. Well, watch this. Let me tell you something about yourself then. You're not supposed to fear the future. And you're not supposed to be walking in fear in the present. Because we're supposed to know where this is going. Now, I'm not saying you can't take precautions. I'm not saying that you, look, look, get you some food and put it in the basement. Huh? If you believe in guns, get you some guns. Whatever you got to do to protect your house, to protect your house. Get you some food in case the times of tragedy coming. Ain't nothing wrong with preparing. Be safe. How many of those, if it's if there's a virus, you know the people's getting sick all around you, be safe. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. I remember long before we all knew about this, the flu was so bad. I went into the doctor just for a checkup. And I, walked, I walked in there, man, there's like 30 people who were. <laughs> I wasn't gripped in fear, but I didn't touch the door handle. Huh? Come on, that's just common sense. I put my hand like that. I open the door like that. Why? There won't be. It's, there's, there's a step of faith, a step of stupidity. If you're walking down the street and you hear somebody in a gun, sh- a gun, a gun shoot and shootout in the alley, you don't walk right in the middle of the shootout and say, y'all, can we not just get along? I'm not telling you to be stupid. But I'm telling you, don't let fear grip you. And don't let your idea of what it means to be a child of God be changed by a world that don't even believe in your God. All right. So, Roman number one. The beginning of the sermon. It's time for us to understand what that means. And I'm going to hurry. So, it hit me at that point. I was not thinking about this at that moment. 
when God said I was going to bring the church full circle in Columbus, Ohio, I was promise you, promise you, all you can do is believe me, but I'm telling you the truth. I was not thinking about what I'm about to tell you. It was just a word that dropped in my spirit. I'm bringing all things full circle. Later on, it hit me. The first thing that hit me was my mind went back to the night before on Friday night. Friday night was the night that I had literally since 1991 dreamed of the day that one day I might, and I, I, you may say I'm making too much out of this, but I'm just telling you how I was. I was so changed by the ministry of Rob Parsley that I just dreamed. I mean, what in the world would it ever feel like just to stand on that stage, shake his hand, let alone know him and be covered by him? I, can't, I still can't believe it. But myself and 59 other men and women from across the country, there were 60 of us, was taken up on that stage, and hands were laid on us by Pastor Rod. We're, we're moved in, we're uh, commissioned into, consecrated into the office of bishop with City Harvest Network. So I'm standing there, and I see him coming down the line. And I'm just like, oh my God. I am standing on the stage of World Harvest Church, and here comes the man that changed my life forever. That I dreamed of one day just shaking his hands, about to lay his hands on me put his mantle on me, and put me directly in the lineage of Smith Wigglesworth. In the direct lineage of Smith Wigglesworth. Because Smith Wigglesworth passed his mantle down to Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall passed his mantle down to Rod Parsley. And I got a double whammy. Because Rod Parsley passed his mantle down to Clint Brown. Clint Brown laid his hands on me and passed his mantle down to me. And then Rod Parsley also passed his mantle down. I'm like, oh, come on, Jesus. So I'm just standing there. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I, I got all this in my mind that's about to happen. I have, I have thought about this moment for 20 plus years if it ever happened. He lays his hands on me. Shocker to the world. I fell out in the power of God. So when I went down the power of God and I hit that floor, some things were said to me that shocked me. That I, that I won't, that were personal to me. That was not what I thought would happen. In fact, it was a little bit almost completely different of what I thought was happening. The moment he laid hands on me, having in my mind what I thought was going to happen, the glory was going to come on me, a new mandate, a new freshness, all this kind of, and all that did happen. But the moment, boom, that I hit the floor, I literally immediately saw myself standing at the concert of Miles, Miles Rutherford, excuse me, of Milan Lefebvre, Milan Lefebvre and Broken Heart at Sanford University when I accepted the call to preach. And just like when you are about something tragic is about to happen to you and you think you're about to die, your life flashes before your eyes and you start thinking about all these things, my ministry flashed before me in about five minutes, major monumental things of my life. While I'm laying on my back, I completely forgot that I was at World Harvest. For I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not, I don't care if you believe me or not, I'm telling you, I had no idea who was around me, had no idea that Rod Parsley was walking around just laying hands on people left and right and Holy Ghost was breaking out all around me. I'm on my back. Later on, I find out when I come back out of the Spirit that I'm the only one laying on the floor. Everybody else around me standing and dancing all around me. And I've just disappeared in the crowd. If you watch it, on, if you watch it online, because I watched it, you see me go, boop, and I go down, and then you don't see me again. All these other people are just praise God. And I'm like, okay, they don't, I'm right there. I know exactly what's happening. All these things play through me. And God said to me, the things that you thought you needed, you don't need. And some of the things you never, ever dreamed, never even thought that you needed, I'm putting in you this week. I'm going to show you that everything you thought you needed was not what you needed. I got up and I was just, I was just renewed. And then later on, he laid hands on me again. And since then, we've spoke several times about that, about that night, and it's just been special to me. Well, the next night was that night that God said, I'm bringing things all full circle. And then after he said that to me, then I realized, God, you already did that on the, on the stage. Last night, you took me all the way back to the beginning when I said yes. Are you hearing me? But then, when I got back to the room, I realized, wait a minute, God, you've been working in this for a while. Because right before I went there, 
not long, a few weeks before I went there, I was teaching, uh, preaching, actually, uh, a night service in Trafford, Alabama, for a spiritual son that came to me recently and asked me to be his father. He's coming to the network, Pastor Robert Sharp, pastors of the church called Oasis. And he happens to be meeting in the building that was Trafford Church of God, was where I met her, where she had been raised her whole life where I accepted the call to preach, where I preached my, where I started my ministry there. I was a youth pastor for two and a half years there, where I married her there. Quite frankly, I don't mean this to be disrespectful. If anybody from that church is watching this, it was also the church that I was ran out of. The church ran me out because I was trying to do something radical with the young, young people. Took it from three or four young people to 35 teenagers, and they were on fire, man, and, and, and just shaking the church up. And, and some people in the church didn't like it. And some other things that happened, next thing I know, I was ran out. But sometimes, how many know, sometimes you've got to be ran out of something before you can start something. Because I would have never pastored a church if I wouldn't have been ran out. So I'm thankful they ran me out. But I didn't know that at the time. So I'm preaching it, and I'm telling the story that I've told probably a hundred times the story of chris owensby's revival in 1989 the legendary chris owensby revival that knit me to him in a way that we had no idea neither one of us had any idea of the relationship that we would have all these years later in that same revival my wife every one of the teenagers that i had been teaching on the holy ghost was filled with the baptism of the holy ghost People in her family, people that I, everybody, basically everybody in the church that had been seeking to be baptized in the Holy Ghost received the baptism in the Holy Ghost except one, me. I had, been, I had accepted the call to preach, but I had never spoken in tongues. I had been raised in a Pentecostal church my whole life, and I was so afraid to fake it. I was so afraid that God would strike me down, strike me dead. I was going to fake it. It was going to be me. It was going to be God. So I was waiting on God to just take me over. Grab my tongue and shake it. Grab my body and shake it to where I was overwhelmed and I could not, I could not have any part of any of it. It was just God overwhelming me. And I begged God that night that it was one night, everybody was filled in the Holy Ghost at one night. I mean, everybody. Sandy, all the young people, all of them that same night. That night, everybody left. They went to my trailer, my mobile home that I had in Warrior. They all was waiting on me. I was still laying in the altar. Turned the lights out on me. It was completely dark. I'm screaming. I'm exhausted. I'm screaming, begging God, begging God to fill me with the Holy Ghost. I was crying out. I was, I, I, I was incoherent. I was so tired and exhausted. I'd been in that altar begging God for over an hour. And I was screaming out, God, what is wrong with me? God, why? What have I done? What is wrong with me, God? Why can't I receive your glory? Begging him. I was so drunk. Two of the men literally picked me up. Sandy, we, I mean, we'd just been married that year. Only a few months. Sandy's like, he, he can't drive. I'm going to have to drive. He can't even walk to the car. Two men picked me up and carried me out of the church and set me in the passenger seat of my little truck, strapped me in my seatbelt while Sandy drove me back to our trailer. I walked in the trailer, and my whole little trailer is full of teenagers speaking in tongues, eating pizza and speaking in tongues. First words, one of them yelled at me, Did you get it? And I walked right through my trailer and walked straight down the little hallway into my bedroom and shut the door and just cried. And said, God, what have I done? Why is it that everyone else seems to be able to experience you, but I can't experience you that way? Nothing. Heavens were brass. Heard nothing. It was three night, two or three nights later. We're, it was the closing night of that revival. And Pastor Chris is praying for people again in the altar. He's just praying for people like crazy and this is pandemonium fire and on the side of that stage there was a little overflow room on both sides and if you if you're raised in church like me have one of them accordion doors that used to slide you remember them things and like click and it turned into a classroom and then you open it up and be an overflow that's what it was and it was opened up that night i could just i was so broken 
the last night that I'd been there, I didn't even try. I was so defeated. This was the last night. I didn't really know Chris that well. I just knew he had a power of God on him. To, had an anointing to pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost. So while he's just praying for people, I start, I start doing this. I start walking backwards, just sort of not making, bringing any attention to me. And I drew myself over into that side overflow room by myself. So it would be just like, like if that was the stage, it would be like I was standing like right here. And if Chris was standing about where that pulpit was, I was about that far away. And I was at an angle where I could see him. But I was in, just in the darkness where nobody could see me. I was by myself. And I'll never forget as long as I live, I raised my hands and I said, God. Listen to me, God. I know you have called me. And I will do what you've called me to do. But I cannot do it without your presence. And I believe with every fiber of my being, I believe. I've asked you to forgive me. I've, I've given you everything of my past. I don't know what else to say to you, God. Except I believe and I need your, I need your Holy Ghost in my life. And with nobody in that room, nobody heard me, nobody saw me, nobody touched me. When I just raised my hands and opened up my mouth, the glory of God came down in that place. And I felt it hit the top of my head. And I felt a warmth come all over my body. And God said to me, now you speak. And I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I felt the fire of God come in me. It went through my body, all the way through my legs and down out of my feet. I didn't dance. I didn't shout. I didn't hoop and holler. I didn't run all over the place. I stepped back on that stage. And I knew at that moment, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that moment, I had forever been changed. I had forever been changed at salvation. But I knew I had something on me and in me at that moment that would sustain me through whatever came in my life. So I'm telling that story while I'm just being overwhelmed by memories of standing in the very pulpit of the church that ran me out, reliving that whole night. And since then, they built a sheetrock wall and put a door there, and it says office as a church office. And I said, Pastor, right on the other side of that door, I'm telling you, I could take you to the spot. And before I leave here tonight, I'd already planned. I'm going to go in there and go, I'm going to look at that spot. And I'm going to show you all where I stood. If you don't mind, I'm going to open that door. And I'm going to show you to the, I could take you to the square inch where I stood when my life forever changed. I opened up that door and that nobody else could see what I saw. Sandy was sitting on the front row. Some of y'all were there that night. I can't even redo the look on my face. It was pure shock because I looked inside that door. Uh, what is that? And the pastor in the front of me goes, what do you mean, what is that? I said, what is that on the floor? He's like, what are you talking about? I said, that circle, that perfect circle. He looked at me and he goes like, uh, I, you talking about the white circle I, he goes he said that was there when we moved in the building I couldn't believe it because I'm telling you as God is my witness as God as my witness I stand before God I am absolutely 1000% telling you the truth to the absolute square inch the dead center of that circle was where I stood I got a picture of it if they'll show it to you I'm standing on it on this is his office. Now, you see the color of that carpet? That's the carpet of the whole entire building. There's not a drop of white anywhere in that whole entire building, but there is a perfectly painted round circle where I was filled with the Holy Ghost and called to the ministry. Now, you can say whatever you want to say. But he couldn't explain it. So, you know what I said? I said, you know what? i got to tell this story. Before I tell this story, I need to know the rest of the story. There's been three pastors been in that church. So I called the other two pastors. I pointed it out. The pastor was before that pastor. I literally have no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. That was his office. When we moved out, it wasn't there. Called the original pastor, Pastor Trafford Church of God, that's still in Trafford. Pastor Philip Jones, many of you know him. Called him up driving on the, down the road, talking to him about it. He's like, man, I have no clue what you're talking about. He said, well, I was, that was my office. When we moved that stuff out, there was nothing on the floor. 
All three pastors, pastors the whole time, no one can explain how they got there. I don't know how I got there. But I can tell you right now, I know how my God works. No one in that church had any idea of what happened to me right there. But I looked at Pastor when I said that. I said, Pastor, what do you think about the fact you moved in the church and there's a round circle in your office? This is what he said. And those that were here heard him say it. He goes, I had no idea about what you just said. All I know is every Sunday before I go, to, go out there to preach, God tells me to stand on that circle. Did he not? He said, I stand on that circle and I feel the glory of God come on me then I go out. Now, are you saying it's some kind of portal or something? No, I'm just saying. I know where God's taking me right now and when I leaned up against that wall and God said, God, I'm, taking, I'm taking everything back full circle, my mind went back to that moment and I realized everything that's happening in my life right now is trying to show me something that I'm supposed to be trying to help you see. What is full circle? Full circle is Acts chapter 2. Full circle is the Garden of Eden. I'm taking things all the way back to the way I started it. But I'm not just taking it back to the way I started it. I am not going to end just taking us back to the way I started it. It will be greater. But it has to start there. We have to go back to where it started, full circle, before we can go to the next level. We have, Rod Parsley said it. He got it from his pastor, Dr. Les Sumrall. I don't know if he quoted it first or got it from somebody else. He said these words, there's much to be gained to a return to the discarded values of the past. We have let too much go. I'm not talking about religion or legalism. I'm talking about we have locked the Holy Ghost and the power of God out of our presence, and it has got to stop. Amen? It's got to stop. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over each and every man, woman, and child in this place right now, this remnant people. We understand, God, that we are here to be equipped. We understand that we are here for such a time as this. So I pray, God, you would anoint us with fresh fire. You would anoint us the same thing that happened to me when I stood on that circle. Where I stood, that's where that circle is. And, God, you came down and overwhelmed me. And set me on a path that I had no idea you would set me on. And here I stand all these years later talking about how you changed my life that night. How we've gone through five buildings as a church. 29 years of pastoring this church. Over 30, coming up on 33 years of ministry. It was your power. Your word that sustained us through all that we had to go through. It's not talent. It was not personality your glory so we say to you God we will be a church that will not be ashamed of your glory we will not be ashamed of your fire and your power we will not be gripped by fear we will not be moved by the agendas of man we will be moved only by your word and your word alone do you receive that church So now listen to me. In the coming weeks, expect the unexpected. God, come on, come on, come on. God is about to drop some things in this house. Not because I said it. Because it's His will. Acts chapter 2 is about to happen in this place. The glory is about to fall in this place. It's going to manifest in some unusual and strange ways. So guard your heart and guard your mind. Miracles are going to happen in this place. New Testament, Acts chapter 2, miracles are going to happen in this place. Altars are going to be flooded. Yes, people are going to be saved. But people are also going to be healed. Demons are going to be cast out in this place. You hear me? People will be called to preach the gospel in this place. Both services that I preached at last Sunday. Sunday morning and Sunday night, God released the call to preach the gospel. That's the mandate that's on me. I think it was nine people, first time ever, stood up on the stage in front of their pastor Sunday morning. How many was up there, you think, Sunday night? Thirteen came up and told their pastor they received the call to preach the gospel. 
Why? Why is this happening? How shall they believe in what they have not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they be sent? God is raising up the preachers. He's dealing with some of y'all right now. So understand in the coming weeks, God is going to put out the clarion call for the preachers. You're going to begin to see young people, teenagers. Some of you young people, some of you students are going to get the call to preach the gospel in your life at this camp. You're going to say yes to God at this camp. You're going to come back forever changed. Watch this. When you receive the call to preach the gospel, the next words that come out of your mouth has to, see God, has to be, God, I cannot go anywhere without your glory. Amen.